Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, back in the house, back in the saddle, back in the game after a couple of weeks of sickness, the sickness that's going around. But don't worry, I'm on the mend. I'm good, feeling strong, ready to go. I have been sharing in the last few episodes that I recently came across the Communication Arts Design Annual and how it was just jam-packed with incredible design, incredible work, and incredible talent from graphic designers from all over the world. And I had been reaching out to a number of these creatives saying, hey, come on the show and let's chat about these print projects that you created. Some of them packaging, some of them annual reports, and all that kind of jazz. This particular episode is all about beer label design. And it's sort of a little bit different than uh, sort of I usually shout from the rooftops about it. But just before I get there, in the very near future, in the next couple of weeks here, we are opening up our Print Ready Files workshop. This is going to be in a live workshop. There's two different dates that we're doing it. Me and Gabby are going to be teaching you how to create those Print Ready Files and start working with printers and proofs, um, but how to create error free print ready files. Now we aren't liable for your typos and your bad typing. However, we are going to show you how to export that file. So your printer at least looks at it and goes, yeah, this is set up. I can't speak for the typos, but yeah, this is set up, set up. You know what I mean? We are running that workshop live twice. The dates are just about to be confirmed. If you want to hear about that and you want to be one of the first people to know about it, there will be limited seating and it's super cheap to get in for a live Workshop, it's 37 bucks, so super cheap. Um, you want to be on our mailing list, and we're not just going to send you like regular mail. We're going to give you some good, useful tools, some print design tools. Go to printdesignacademy.com and sign up for our checklist. There's a print-ready file checklist there that you can get and you get instant access to, and that email list will be the first to know about that workshop when the dates are nailed down and when everything is ready to rock. Exclusive. Limited. All of those fancy words. So yeah, don't miss that Print Ready Files workshop because we all want our printers to love us. We want them to be excited about getting our files. We want the stuff that we envision in print to turn out great every time. And starting with super clean, really good files for your printer is a huge, huge step. That's where it all starts, friends. So back to the episode here. We're talking beer labels, and today my guest on the show is Holly from Daughter Creative out of Calgary, Alberta. Now, Holly's not from Calgary. Holly's actually from Scotland. However, Daughter Creative is in Calgary. Canadian, Fellow Canadians. Fellow Canadians. The project we're talking about in this episode is the Annex Ale Brewery, or the Annex Ale Beer Labels. And the system that goes into the Annex Ale labels. Now, I've often said that beer labels are so creative, you can almost do whatever you want with beer label design. It's crazy, rah! And that's true a lot of times. However, a lot of breweries out there have a system to their labels so that all of their you know, specialty release beers, all of their regular beers, all of the stuff that they create come up with the seasonal stuff follows a design system. And that's what this episode is all about, creating a design system for a brewery and what went into this design system and the thoughts behind it and what they ended up with. We're going to have photos up on our Instagram, 
But oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm talking so much. Holly's way cooler to listen to than I am. So let's just get over there. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Holly from Daughter Creative. First, hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Holly, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Doing great, thanks. My initial sort of thought when we first started talking was like, are you like eight hours ahead of me, like in the UK somewhere? <laughs> and then we find out, no, you're just in Calgary, one hour ahead. So yeah. it's all right. It's not too I like, far. I like to keep it mysterious, you know? <laughs> where am I in the world? That's yeah, the exactly. There used to be a show that I used to watch. It's like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Oh, yeah, Carmen Sandiego. Carmen Sandiego? Yeah. I mean, yeah, fashion icon, I would say. <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> I, I, next year, Halloween. That's yeah, funny, I never thought of it that way. Oh, yeah, iconic, no? The the red and the wide brim hat. Yeah, I, I see it now. That, like, as soon as you said it, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. But as a yeah. as a kid, I was like, no, I just, I didn't see it. <laughs> we just wanted to know where she was. I know. I mean, that was, that was the question. <laughs> Awesome. Well, before we really get into the design talk of this episode, I'm going to start with probably the toughest question on the list, um, which is tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Okay. So my name is Holly. Um, I'm originally from Scotland. I'm from the Northeast, um, kind of up middle of nowhere in the Highlands. Um, so I grew up there and then I went to um, art school in Dundee, which is on the east coast of Scotland. Um, and I don't know if you watch Succession, but... Um, oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, so uh, the the main kind of... The big man in that, Logan Roy, is played by Brian Cox, who is from Dundee. Um, so, I, yeah, there's been a there's been a peak in interest about Dundee. Like, no one is from Dundee, so <laughs> it's like a big deal, you know? Um, mm -hmm. That's usually how I manage to make the connection with people knowing where that is. Um, so I went to art school in Dundee, um, graduated in 2013. I did um, graphic design there. And then I moved down to London, um, worked at a couple agencies and did some freelance there. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Canada three nearly maybe going on four years ago now and now okay. i'm in calgary um in alberta so yeah so what prompted the move to canada if you don't want me asking um well so my partner is from calgary okay um so when i say that people say oh well, you moved for love and then again <laughs> then it gets a bit too emotional um so that was kind of you know obviously a main reason um mm -hmm. i also i i I went to Canada a few times just like on holidays and stuff. Um, and I, 
uh, I don't know, I, I kind of reached a point working in London where um, I was ready for just like kind of looking, you know, looking for a new job a little bit, looking for a bit of a change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a, well, I learned about a, a live and work visa over in Canada that you can apply for if you're under 30. Okay. So I was reaching, you know, I was turning like 28 or something and had this little quarter life you were crisis. On in the year. Oh. <laughs> I was getting on, I know. I know my cane was going slow. So then, um, yeah, I just kind of decided, well, you know, I probably best to go for this when I'm under 30 and kind of take the opportunity. So then I just moved out here and, um, yeah, and now it's been a few years and I haven't, I mean, it's been a weird few years, but, uh, <laughs> but I haven't, sure. I haven't really looked back. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So how, now I haven't been in Calgary for long term. I just like, mm-hmm. I'm over in BC, so I know it's colder there. It's generally colder there. So how does that climate yes. more like, like compare to um, like London and Scotland, like Scotland, I would think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. My, um, my, my dad actually brought this to my attention that Calgary and um, Aberdeen, which is where I was born in Scotland, just like the kind of northernmost city. Um, they're actually on the same latitude. Oh, really? Uh, the latitude is horizontal, right? So it's on the same Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. We're all sailors here. We know this. Yeah. Know. <laughs> uh, so it's on the same latitude. So actually, yeah, the, there is a, a similarity in climate. Um, but I would say that Calgary gets pretty frigid in a way that um, I just haven't really experienced in Scotland. Uh, yeah. I actually, when I first moved here, I cried the first winter um because I, I just went outside and it was like minus 28 and i've yeah. never experienced that before um yeah so i it, weeping in the tears exactly yeah i was so sol- yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just, just solving these frozen little icicles um yeah. i promise yeah. we get to design stuff but my oh, wife and i actually before we were married we were looking at moving to saskatoon in saskatoon oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. we're like you know what if we're gonna do it like before we had kids before we married if we're going to do it, let's go experience it in the middle of winter, just so we know what we're getting into. So we went like the first week of January one year and we, we got there, drove to our Airbnb. It was this lovely little B&B with a little river there, rivers frozen, snow everywhere. And it was like minus 32 outside, but we yeah. hadn't even like really felt it. Cause it was like airport to car, car to Airbnb. So it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't really know. So we decided there was an Earl's two blocks down the street and we're like, you know what? Let's just walk there. Like, it's not that far. Let's just walk. <laughs> and with the wind chill, it was like minus four. Oh, the wind something. chill. That'll get you. Yeah. Oh, within seven seconds of being outside and walking down the street, it was no talking mm-hmm. and just go as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we sat down at Earl's and we had been in Saskatoon for maybe 45 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe an hour, including the drive from the airport. And um, we decided, yeah, no, no, we'll just, we'll find somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> while we're here let's just yeah i mean that's a true test right like i always think like taking the bins out in mid-january before yeah. the suns come up like that's when you know how yeah, that's when you gets. know is this going to be a long-term Ooh, situation yeah i know i know so I've, i bought a lot of winter wear since i've since i've lived here um, nice. which makes it yeah a lot of woolly socks going on for sure a little bit more tolerable right yeah definitely 
All right, Holly. So we've been talking a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your move to Calgary and, you know, your mm-hmm. younger years a little bit, but I want to know what is your earliest memory of print or packaging? Something maybe from your childhood, from your teens? Yeah, I had, so I had to have a think about this. Like, I, I feel like my, um, I feel like my brain is a little bit like a colander. Like I just can't like <laughs> retain like memories like that, you know? Um, so I was thinking quite a bit and, and the the kind of first thing that, that came to mind, I don't know if it's necessarily like the earliest, but um, the main thing that came to mind was when I was younger, I was like super into um, like sticker books and like collecting, yes. you know, like any like trading cards and like pogs and like all that kind of um, plastic yes. 90s stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I remember quite vividly is my brother giving me, um, so, so I was really into football when I was younger, like, uh, like soccer football. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I still am, but I was like a raging fan when I was younger. So I remember my brother gave me a sticker of, um, so, so it was of Peter Schmeichel, who was the goalkeeper for Man United at the time. This was like 1997. And I remember it was a it was a shiny like shiny sticker, and it was just his like portrait, and he had this little like hologram over top, and the hologram was like the Man United logo and whatever. Um, and I remember him giving me this and just be just being like, "This is the most amazing thing I have ever seen." <laughs> like it was like he could have given me like a gold bar, you know? It may as well have been that. And I yeah. was sticking it like right in the middle of my bedroom wall. Like I'm sure my mom was pleased about that um and I just it's kind of just like burned in my memory and then I remember really getting into like um I had all like the football sticker books um you know and 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 I think there was just something about I remember they had these like pull out posters and it was like this real kind of world that you like just got really into with this kind of Mm -hmm. collector's mindset Mm -hmm. um and I also remember having a Simpsons sticker album (laughs) and what I remember about that was that the stickers were amazing they were like you got the shiny ones obviously but then I remember there were like die cut ones like um there there was like I think it was like Krusty the Clown or something had this like raised puff print you know that kind of stuffy gown t-shirts yeah um and one that I do remember specifically was um, uh, Ned Flanders uh, cooking bacon on the barbecue, and it was a scratch and sniff sticker, so it smelled yeah. like bacon. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just remember getting them and just like each, I don't know, just this like surge of excitement every time you got, you know, obviously you kind of opened a um, whatever, like little rippy sticker pack and then, mm-hmm you know, it's like Pokemon trading cards or whatever. And it's just like surprise and excitement about what you're going to get. And then for the, for the stickers to all be like different weights and materials and stuff, just like added to that. So I feel like that's like my earliest memory of being, of, of I guess, like recognizing that and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of being enamored by it, I guess. I love that you say that, like about the scratch and sniff with the bacon, mm-hmm. because there's, you know, <laughs> being involved in the print industry, there's literally a list of 
probably 200 like stocked scents that you can get mm -hmm. in, in coatings and that you can print on any print piece. You can make right. your business card smell like cedar if you want. Like you can, you can just incorporate these smells into print. Uh -huh. I'm like, why are more people not doing this? Honestly, like, Dave, imagine... I say this every day. I'm yeah. like, bring back the scratch and sniff. <laughs> Yes. Do, yeah. do you imagine getting like a Burger King or a McDonald's flyer in your door about a new burger, but it smells like a burger? Yeah. Or like the Wendy's Baconator <laughs> flyer and it smells like bacon? Yeah. Like, I'm going to go show that to all your friends. What? Why? Wendy's. I know. On Missed it. opportunity. I do feel like it's such a niche that feels like it only existed in the 90s and then <laughs> it kind of disappeared way. forever right yeah yeah maybe interesting like... when you can incorporate smell into print just get that mm -hmm. other you know sense going and i'm always amazed in when i look at a magazine and it's got that little part of the the perfume ad that you pull oh, open yeah. and you smell the perfume mm -hmm. like this is incredible like this is really cool yeah. just i dig it i dig it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what about recently? Have you had any recent interactions with any print or any packaging that you were that you really enjoyed or were surprised by? Yeah, so uh, I also had to have a, quite a think about this. Um, I tend to just kind of collect stuff that I think is cool and it makes its yeah. way behind me onto my bookshelves. But something that I did um, take note of, I've just got it here actually. Yeah. Um, so this was a print project by um Fedragoni. Fedragoni are a paper company. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know about Fedragoni. So yeah. I think they're and Italian I believe it's Fedragoni. Yeah, I exactly. I'm imagining <laughs> I should have said it like that. Um yeah, I imagine it's Italian, um, uh, but they have quite a big um presence in the UK. So um and what's cool about this is they do like so what I know is they do a calendar every year. Um, and usually I think they kind of reach out to 365, um, creatives of like, you know, various mediums and then each creative kind of creates a visual for each day. But, um, last year, what they did was they, they created a, this publication. And what's cool about this is they, they basically just did like a call out across the country, just like every creative. I believe like, I don't know, they must've got like thousands of submissions and they set out this brief and the, the, the brief was um, that you got a number and a kind of like a keyword or like a seed word mm -hmm. um, to kind of get, you know, get some inspiration on, on what to attach to this number. Okay. Um, so I took part in this, my number was number 10 and my seed word was group. So the idea was that you would, you know, basically create the number 10 and try and attach this idea of, of grouping to it somehow. Um, but they did this with like thousands of people. So then what ended up happening is um, they made these publications that just like each day has, yeah, like a number you know, with whatever the seed word is, you've got like pool and dense and size and melt and all these different words. Um, and what's, ama what's amazing is that each of these books is different. So they made this like, I don't, I don't know how they did it. I'm not even going to pretend how to know, but they, they had some algorithm where every single publication was different. Every single 
number, I mean, obviously the numbers are in the correct order, but every single creative is in a different order. Um, the cover is like this kind of gradient map, which is oh, cool. every single cover is different. Um, and then they've got this like wrap of yeah. tr transparent. Like trans yeah, transparent paper. Yeah, like white print on kind of transparent. And then this lists all the names, but only the ones highlighted are in the book that you're holding. That's like, bananas. I know. I feel like it's some, like, I don't know. It's actually kind of magic how they've done that. Um, and it's all, like, digitally printed. And I think it's digitally printed, like, a four-color print, but they added a neon. So, like, this neon is, like, a blue. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've seen other ones, and you get, like, there's a pink one, a yellow one an orange one, I think. Um, and it's just kind of randomized which color that you get. Um, oh, here you go. So there's kind of like different oh, yeah. colors. But yeah, they're just, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of an incredible feat, just like logistically of yeah. getting everyone on board and then creating these. So it's a really cool project to look at. Um, well, if you've ever been yeah. part of like a university group project where there's three or four people, you know how difficult mm -hmm. it is to pull something <laughs> together with just that many people. So, you know, yeah. you add in, you know, thousands of people uh, and designers mm -hmm. from all over the world, like obviously there would be some extreme logistical challenges that would need to be overcome to bring yeah. that kind of project to life. I know. And I, and I kind of love it for that reason and for it just being, it, it kind of feels like this grand idea that, you know, you, you would come out with and it'd be like, okay, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. but I don't know, just, just kind of all of the different steps that have come together to form it. Yeah. Um, it's quite incredible. So yeah. So they sent these out and then each, each creative also got like a print of their number in whatever color that they wanted. Um, they sent out like a little specimen book of just your number and all the colors. Like they really went to town on it. So um, yeah, it's pretty huge. So that that's definitely a project that has caught my eye and kind of stuck in my head um, recently. That's such a cool one. The yeah. Fedragoni 365. Because I've, I've seen the Fedragoni swatch books. Um, mm -hmm. We have some uh, around the shop. And there, there's some pretty incredible papers there. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen the Fedragoni 365, so that's really cool. Yeah, and I think they're doing another one next year, which I've also mm -hmm. signed up for. So yep. if you want to get involved, I think you can. Okay, going to have to look yeah. into that. Yeah, if you need a UK address, just let me know and I'll... <laughs> you can use mine. Perfect, <laughs> yeah. perfect. That's awesome. What a great project to share. Thank you for, bring, for showing us that one. Yeah. Um, so now I want to ask you about the very first print project that you were ever a part of, Holly. Do you remember what that project was? Can you tell us about it? The first one oh. you ever produced. Um, yeah, the first, I feel like this is maybe like a, not really answering the question because I don't think it got produced. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the first kind of print project that I kind of dipped my toe into was um, when I, in my third year of uni, we did um, summer internships. So yeah. I did an internship at an agency in Glasgow, um, kind of advertising design agency. And I remember doing, I remember there was a brief um, for a, it was like a sports 
shop, kind of like um, I don't know, you don't have like kind of like a sport check, you okay. know, yep. version. So, and they were doing um, taxi wraps. So you know these huge stickers that would wrap around an entire taxi, um, and they're like, okay, we need you know. I, I think they already had some, but they were just a bit old and just had the logo on the side. Um, so I remember that being kind of like the, the first time I'd ever seen like a template or like any kind of, you know, I didn't even know what like, you know, that had to be in whatever DPI, like I had no idea. <laughs> so I'm just seeing the template like flattened out, right? And trying to like get your head around how that forms around the object and whatever else. So I remember getting really into it. And I mean, I thought it was pretty cool, but <laughs> the idea was on these taxi wraps, they, um, because of where the wheels, where, where the hubcaps were placed, you, you could put like stickers on the hubcaps. Mm -hmm. So my idea was to have like the hubcap be a ball of some sorts, like a tennis ball, golf ball, football, and then um, on the wrap itself was like a diving goalkeeper. And then the, the ball was like the back wheel. And then it was like a tennis player and the ball was a back wheel. And I remember it like feeling like a genius. <laughs> like This was, you know, amazing. Um, I were doing all these mock-ups and everything. And, it, and I believe it went to print. I, I I remember I left my internship before it actually went to print and I believe it went to print, but it turned out that they couldn't actually put the stickers on the hubcaps, even though that was like the whole point. <laughs> um, so it ended up just being like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a golf player putting with no ball in sight, but maybe with the back wheel, uh, you know, you would have made that connection. You made the but, connection. Yeah. I mean, the mock-ups looked great. But I do remember that being like <laughs> one of the very first print projects and kind of just like really trying to reach for the, you know, kind of um, how, I guess like how much we could extrapolate out, out of that one mm -hmm. touch point, you know, the yeah. most that we could. So, yeah. Ah, oh, it would have been awesome if it all came together. <laughs> I much, know. Right? That's what I thought. I mean, one day. But the mock-ups looked good. Mock-ups mock looked yeah. good. I know. I should, just, I should do it on my own car, you know, give it a go and <laughs> get the sticker on. That would be so great. Yeah. If you do that, please send me a picture. I will. I will I'll be see that. racing around Calgary with my little tennis ball car. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> so on that, um, sticking with that topic of print projects, have you been yeah. a part of a print project that did not – turn out as you'd hoped didn't go very well went sideways somehow can you tell us about that project and your experience with it yes i have had one um i mean uh, i don't know i i tend to do the design send off and then i kind of have this fear where i almost don't want to see you know if i'm like making a billboard i'm like i don't want to look at that billboard just in case there's something yeah. um so i tend to be a bit of a wimp when it comes to actually like looking at the end product just in case yeah. but um something that did go a bit um sideways was um when i was working in london uh one the first place that i worked design agency we did a lot of um 
we did a lot of like branding and, and packaging and, and kind of expected stuff, but we also did a lot of uh, work in kind of like the fashion industry. So product graphics for um, menswear and, um, you, you know, kind of we, we did a lot of white label stuff and what white label stuff by that, I mean, um, just big stores like uh, Topshop or ASOS or Urban Outfitters, um, you know, they, they have their own brand um, products, mm-hmm. but within that, they would have these kind of sub-brands. So, I don't know, there'll be like a whole bunch of Czech shirts, you know, that would all fall under. They would be made by Urban Outfitters, but they would be under a different guys essentially mm-hmm. so it'd be called like heritage collection 1962 you know that would be yep. all their kind of like lumberjacky wood woodsy vibes um and then they would have like a summer collection and that would be under you know a, a different name so so what we would be hired to do was essentially just create like loads of graphics and these stores would just kind of pick and choose and print them and fit them into what was um, kind of the next trend or what was selling well or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, this particular one was for Top Man. And I remember just like rattling out like there's hundreds of graphics and it was for their summer collection. And I made the, I made a print that was like a palm tree on fire because that's cool. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you can imagine. And I, and I remember just sending all this stuff out and it was, it was like a, and it was all like flash sheets and um, kind of mock-ups and stuff. It wasn't like the final files. Anyway, I sent this all off, um, you know, me and, me and my boss who were working on it and didn't really think much of it. Like usually they would come back and, and pick which ones they wanted. Anyway, we didn't really hear back um I don't know we, we got busy with other stuff but then I remember going into Top Man um in Ox- on Oxford Street in London and looking around and I saw this t-shirt with the, the palm tree on fire but what <laughs> what ended up happening was it still had the stock photo watermark over the no. top <laughs> yeah, so it had like I don't know what it was like dreams time or like one of those just like plastered over the top and I <laughs> I think it took me a little moment to be like well that's weird like that's like the t-shirt I made but you know with a watermark and then I was like oh no I didn't I didn't remove that and I I kind of um pulled out the first one to look behind it to be like oh maybe it's just <laughs> this one it's yeah just the front one. <laughs> maybe. there was like 60 t-shirts on this rack just all the same mm-hmm. and um so yes, I do remember that. I mean, it's not you know obviously no one got hurt in the process, but that that does stick in my head. And then funnily enough, later that day, I saw a boy walking down the road with the t-shirt on, and I was like, maybe this is like ironic or like <laughs> actually good because of the war. Maybe this like, is I a movement because of that. That's still yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. I I can only I can only imagine the only person who would be into that would be a graphic designer who would be like this is hilarious look they at would this appreciate watermark. it more for i know sure. i know um yeah so that one that one sticks in my head i do find it quite funny um I, yeah i mean it was just me working at 9 p.m 
thinking that everything was draft. Um, mm-hmm. But turns out it wasn't, and it got sent to print. But I don't know. <laughs> and they must have they must have sold a few. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, look at this terrible mistake! How did this get into stores? We can't oh. keep them in stock. They're selling out. <laughs> All these designers keep coming in. Yeah. I know I should have I should have bought one actually. Now yeah. that I think about it, I regret not owning one. Yeah, I was just gonna say, do you did you get into buying one? No, I know. I think I was too horrified at the time, but now I would definitely you look on eBay. There's gotta be there's everything you know, on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that markup price. <laughs> that marked up price, yeah. Maybe that'll be a good surprise, though. Like, what are your shirts? What are your shirts going for now? Maybe I should. Yeah, I'll have a little look. I'll do a self Google and see if it's if it's coming up. <laughs> <Google>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Holly, thank you for sharing that. I love that the the t shirt with the whole photo watermark still. Yeah. Yes, too bad. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yes. So now I want to get into the deep dive project, um, sort of the the project that led to us connecting. And just mm-hmm. for a little bit of backstory on that, I saw, um, I was on vacation and I bought um, the Communication Arts Annual magazine mm-hmm. and was flipping through this stuff while my kids were all out on the beach and playing and stuff. This was um, just back in October there. And I was flipping through and I'm like, man, this is full of incredible print. From, mm-hmm. from beer labels to annual reports to poster designs, like just full of incredible print. Um, so I started reaching out to a number of the designers who were, who were featured in this thing, and Daughter um, was one of them. Mm-hmm. And luckily they pointed me to you, who was sort of the, the brains and the creative behind what came to life for this brewery. And so, yeah, I really wanted to dive into this craft beer product for Annex Ale. Mm-hmm. And what I what I found, and I'm interested to see if I'm sort of right in my assumption of this, when I first looked at these projects or first saw them, I thought, you know, in the brewery world, they're on one side in that craft brewery world, you got one side that's like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Designer, whatever you can think of, just put it on a label, just make sure mm-hmm. our logo's on it with with the, the name of the beer. That's it. Do whatever you want for everything else. And then on the other mm-hmm. side, there's very corporate and structured and, you know, there's, there's very defined systems that you mm-hmm. must follow for, for a craft brewery, which is a little bit contrast, you know, from the other side. But this one seems to fall somewhere along in the middle mm-hmm. where you've got a lot of creative freedom, but also there's, there's a visual system that you can see and follow, but it's all very unique. So mm-hmm. I, I really want to hear sort of the, the boardroom background conversations of how that system came to be and then the whole story on on how it all came together so yeah i'll just kick it over to you and give me give me the beginning of the story yeah sure um yeah it's funny that you mention um kind of uh system because that was like a big um kind of reason for for doing this was that annex Mm -hmm. needed almost like a more systematic approach to the labeling Mm -hmm. um but just kind of, uh, I guess, an intro to um, the the brewery itself. Like, um, so Calgary, like when I moved here, um, you know, even like four years ago, um, the, this kind of brewery scene in Calgary is really thriving and it's really becoming quite a hot spot in terms of, um, you know, just like beer heads coming here, um, just because the amount of craft breweries that we have. Um, and... Annex 
Ailes is um, one of the, I guess it was one of the, the first ones. So they, they've been around for six years, which mm-hmm. I think in like craft beer terms is, is you know, kind of at the beginning. Um, <laughs> and with that, they have like a really um, loyal following. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have this strong set of core beers that are just on tap in like every pub. They have such a display at every single liquor shop. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're really well known here, I guess. Um, and they, they pride themselves on being experimental and unconventional. And they have this like really um, amazing like taproom culture. Like their, their taproom is beautiful. Just these like just really polished finishings and, and everything is, um, I guess curated really well in a sense that it's just a really easy place to go, um, you know, and, and meet up with some mates and have beer and, and it just, everything feels very easy and natural in that respect. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, it, it feels maybe more kind of uh, less what you would expect from like, if you're thinking of a craft brewery in your head, you know, kind of like rustic and like big, um, you know, whatever the big things that they make the beer in and that kind of thing, like it feels much more easygoing and, and just a nice place to go. Um, so with that, like when um, we, so we've worked with Annex for a long time. Um, and when the pandemic kind of kicked off and when the first lockdown happened, obviously that, taproom culture kind of got put on this immediate hold and Mm. they really had to um with all the breweries actually they they really had to like pivot and start doing like home deliveries and um yeah and like canning beer that usually they would only have on tap um you know kind of this huge shift right you nailed it right like because i'm i'm involved Mm. in the print industry and when Mm -hmm. that all happened and really kicked off Mm-hmm. the sort of shrink sleeve label side of our business for craft breweries and these companies who are usually either pouring out in their own brewery or delivering kegs to restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, when the restaurants all close down and the tap rooms all close down, you still have thousands of liters of beer yeah, that's ready to go. Yeah. So you have to do something with it. You can't just dump it down the drain. Mm-hmm. So all of these breweries went in full panic mode and they yeah. had to can and bottle all of mm-hmm. this stuff that they were planning on just chucking in a keg yeah. so along with that you need labels you need shrink mm-hmm. sleeves you need to create those kind of things to market it yeah and and i think for us a um a daughter like you know it, it was a big influx of of new work for us as well because with yeah with the new yeah. um uh, much more cans to design there's also like the crates that they come in the decals for the vans that they're doing the home deliveries in um there was a lot more, I, I noticed like a lot of the breweries were producing more merch that could like, you know, be sold alongside their beers, especially like, you know, coming up to the holidays and stuff like that. They were doing like gift packs. Like there was kind of this big um, and big movement towards producing a lot or designing a lot more stuff. And I think that had to happen immediately, right? Because yeah. It, yeah, it kind of happened overnight. Um and I mean, what I should also mention is is that at Daughter we also design um, 
we, we do a lot of design work for two other breweries here um, called Cabin and The Establishment. Um, the Establishment actually just won Canadian Brewery of the Year, which is awesome. kind of like a, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, so I should, I should shout out my, um, my friend uh, Ben at Daughter. He does all their design work and he's super talented um, and amazing at that. So, so we had like a, a few breweries, you know, that this is all happening at once for. And so with Annex specifically, um, so they have their core set of beers. They have four that, you know, just exist all the time. They have long-term seasonals and these tend to be two a year. Um, they stick around longer. They're on the shelves for like six months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have these short-term releases and the short-term releases are usually they do like one or one or two every four weeks. Mm-hmm. And so then we would be creating a label every two weeks. Yeah. So it's quite a rapid pace to keep yeah, up with this. Right. And um initially what we were doing for their short-term releases is um another designer that i work with um lindsay she she would she was she's a um designer and a really talented uh illustrator and she was creating just these like beautiful artworks um that went on each can it was almost like each can was like this mini canvas you know um and it had this like full like custom artwork on there related to the beer um and they were really beautiful, um, but I think with the, the the pace that Annex were pumping stuff out, it just felt like it the the timing it, it wasn't conducive to to timing. Yeah. So we wanted to, um, and and it did also feel that Annex has kind of outgrown this, just in terms of um, you know the, the pace that they were going at and just how much beer and cans they were producing. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to create something that felt more systematic without um, lacking creativity, without taking away any of that, um, you know, that kind of beauty and the beauty and the visuals that we had kind of, that was associated with them. So, mm-hmm. um, so we kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit with these short term cans um, and dissected them and like, okay, what's, what's working and what's not working and what do people associate with annex, you know, um, all those things. Um, so we looked at the cans, they have, what kind of makes it easier is that each beer, um, is always a two word name and they have this like circular type on the front. They've always had that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's quite, recognizable as an annex can especially when you see them you know you you go into a liquor shop and you're kind of bombarded with like visual (laughs) stimulus yeah there's just like there's loads um so trying to trying to kind of hone in on like what is where the brand value is and what we retain and then what we can lose and replace with something else so Mm -hmm. the circular type we wanted to keep um you know, we, we have the beer name, the alcohol content, all that kind of um, legal stuff, I guess, is, is kind of front and center within that circle. Yeah. It kind of allows this nice frame, yeah, for that to work on. 
Um, but sort of looking at that side mm -hmm. of the label where you've got all that information, mm -hmm. what I find really different and what jumps out to me right away, sort of my initial reaction is the name of the brewery and the sort of alcohol information down at the mm -hmm. bottom. Like it, it, it seems like it's in this almost scripted handwritten yeah. kind of font. And that is different than stuff that I've seen before. Yeah. And with that, um, the idea behind that was because these short term cans, like they, they'll stick around for maybe like a couple of weeks and yeah. they, they tend to sell out like pretty quick. Like they have a yeah. really strong <laughs> fan base to just like snap all that up. Um, <laughs> and the idea was that this, this beer is so fleeting and, you know, it, it's kind of like blink and you'll miss it idea. And we, we wanted to have a, a labeling system that, that worked and was easy to produce kind of quickly and en masse, but something that could retain a sense of um, personality and, and still speak to that craft that goes into it. Um, so we introduced, yeah, this like handwritten script that has um, their batch number um, and the tasting notes that are in that. Um, and Annex is very much like, I don't know, they, they, they put so much thought and kind of feeling into the beers that they're making. And some of them are like really unconventional. Like you'll get, you know, they'll, they'll do like the IPAs and, um, you know, kind of what you'd expect. But some of these beers are like, they did a sweet potato porter. They did oh, a stone fruit kettle sour like this isn't to my taste <laughs> like I'm very much uh you know the lightest lager you can find I'm all for it but um but yeah like people are like love all that stuff yeah, so sort of experimenting and playing with it with yeah ex yeah exactly and they have this um you know the, and, and they have the opportunity to do that because mm -hmm. you know they they're producing these cans so so yeah they have this handwritten script in there and, and something that I should mention is um the annex like what people pay a lot of attention to is the actual copy that's written on the can so we we wanted to um allow you know the, the space for that to exist and to live um and um we work with a copywriter um who actually um we used to work together at daughter um called diana primack she's um kind of amazing at writing words, <laughs> which I can never do. <laughs> yeah. um, but she really manages to like capture this voice of Annex. And um, it's it's almost like this like wry kind of knowing wit of, around mm -hmm. the copy um, that really injects like a lot of personality into the, the beer that is in that can um, and allows each beer to kind of have this story. And that's something that I don't think um, you see a lot of especially in like can design is just the allowance to to have a big chunk of text to like explain, you know, what went into the beer, what the, um, I don't know what like the inspiration behind it was, if it's topical or not, you know, like they made a, they made a birthday beer to celebrate um, the, the kind of the annex birthday and it released during lockdown. Um, we called it, pity party is actually up there and you know that's something like they couldn't have a party they couldn't have anything at the tap room so they did this like sad party in a can um <laughs> you know and then and the coffee could re reflect that right it kind of yeah. like hit it um 
I don't know, hit it, the kind of nail on the head in terms of what everyone was feeling during lockdown mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then the actual visual on the other side of the can um, is, is kind of where that um, sis- visual system starts to come in. So we wanted something that felt very, um, I guess, just kind of like a, a beautiful artwork that could be on that can. And, and what I was kind of thinking of when we were creating this was that the people are spending a lot more time with these cans, right? They're almost mm-hmm. like the shampoo bottle of your coffee table. Like they just sit there. You're, you, you, I think you tend to kind of, you know, like fiddle with the label, like read the label and the, they live in your fridge. Like yeah. you're, you're kind of seeing them a lot more than maybe you usually would. So we wanted this visual system um, that retained that just like, you know, really nice looking can that kind of exists in your eyesight. Um, But also something that um, I I guess spoke to, again, like the the beer that's inside. Mm -hmm. So we came up with this system, almost like these, like, I don't know, I guess they're kind of like litho, litho cut. Is that what I'm thinking of? Um, You know, when you kind of like dig out from a, a bit of lino cut, that's what I'm thinking, not mm-hmm. lino. Um, you know, they, they have this like hand-drawn style quality to them. And the idea is that there's this line work um, joined with these like solid colors. And the colors usually are usually representative of what, you know, the beer is inside. So if it's, a uh, you know, raspberry sour, we're going to try and use like that raspberry shade of red. Mm-hmm. Um, and the line work speaks to the beer as well like is it is it like full bodied um does it have this like bright tasting note to it um is it like a slow burner oh, okay. is it like okay. deep like you know what i mean like i think there's a lot yep. of um visual cues that we can almost like pull from uh the the brew itself so we tried to take advantage of that and, and kind of represent that in an abstracted way um mm-hmm. yeah and then it led to this kind of really nice system that that feels like there's a brand continuity to it especially when you see them all side by side um and i i think re-releasing you know kind of having this new approach to the cans it can take a while for people to get their heads into it and recognize that as annex because it looks different than it did before Mm -hmm. um but you know over the course of those releases coming out i think we're up to like 20 maybe um using this new system yeah like people are starting to recognize it and and um yeah and kind of are excited to see what's next and and it's nice to be able to i guess like celebrate that and and um bring more of those visuals to the cans yeah so it's basically you have lines and shapes that essentially Mm -hmm. (laughs) align with the beer Mm-hmm. And and really represent it in this visual form, you know, so you're not mm-hmm. reading everything for it. Um, now, what's interesting about that is I think that now I don't know what you're sort of using to print these labels out or, or what the supplier is using, mm-hmm. but the HP Indigo Digital Label Press has a system on it called, I think it's Mosaic. There's two of them. There's mm-hmm. Mosaic and Collage, I think are the two systems but basically what they are is it's an ai system and you input 
a number of these different elements. So if you take the one mm -hmm. that's on the right here with the, like the lips and, and the mm -hmm. swerve lines, you input those into the system. Mm -hmm. You can say, keep my copy consistent, but do whatever you want with these. The AI will create an infinite amount of variables. So every right. single label you get has those elements, has those colors, but mm -hmm. is slightly different in some way. Huh. So you, you can create sort of these like special releases, collector cans, mm -hmm. because literally every single label is a little bit unique and a little bit right. different. It's a pretty cool system. And this fits right into that system because it's yeah. it's complex yet simple in its complexity, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like I, I am the AI. <laughs> In this situation, right? You are the AI. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like with, with individual flavors. So you could take a yeah. pity party and you could have infinite amount of different labels, the spots in different positions mm -hmm. all over the label, the, mm -hmm. the line works slightly different on each label. Yeah. Um, so you could do some really unique things using that system. Yeah, that's cool. I think we, I mean, I don't know if we use that specifically. It might have been, but we did yeah. a limited release um it was for annex's 100th beer yep. it was called um dimed out i think it was like oh it was something ridiculous like a seven hop ipa like yeah. it would have you know knocked you out after half a can but <laughs> um we actually did a label a label a labeling system for that where there was um seven variations i believe mm -hmm. and it was um uh, so it's like two stickers kind of on one on top of the other mm -hmm. um and the all the type and the artwork on the side was silver foil so there mm -hmm. was also this so silver foil was on a, a black like a matte black sticker and then you could peel away the artwork on the side to reveal um they had these different I don't really know. It's, it's almost like, you know, when you crack open a fortune cookie and it has like yep. a different fortune, they're almost like these annex fortunes. And, you know, they would be saying things like phone your mom, like, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. buy another beer, whatever, these kind of like, you know, one hit um, stickers. Yeah. But yeah, we had these variations of them. So it, they were completely randomized. You didn't know what you were going to get. Um, I think, I believe one of them had a gold underlay, kind of like a Willy Wonka thing where you could then, Whoever got that got like a free T-shirt or whatever. Um, yeah, and I remember that being quite a challenge because we had all these variations that all had to line up with a die-cut sticker. Um, and then there was like a little Easter egg underneath when you peeled it away. We, we made all these like annex um, dime kind of illustrations that scattered underneath. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of, a, a, I guess, similar to what you're speaking about, this like variation on one thing. And you just kind of rattle through them all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. That's a really, that's a cool idea. I like that idea of mm -hmm. the, the peel off reveal. Yeah. You back know, to my sticker book days. Right? Yeah. Back to the sticker book <laughs> days. 100%. <laughs> um, so, can you talk to me a little bit about the materials that were used for this label? Like, um, it's, you know, are we just talking a standard sort of bop plastic label with a, with a matte laminate on it? Or is this something a little bit different? Yeah, no, it, it's pretty standard. Um, Annex actually have their own like canning. Um, I believe they use like, it's like on a truck and they have their yeah. own kind of canning. Yeah. Um, source. So they do that uh, with these because they are a short term release. Mm -hmm. um, they, they use the stickers. 
Um, for the long-term ones, we do full sleeves because they're yeah. making bigger quantities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so it's pretty standard. We did go for um, the actual like background. Um, it's actually moved on a little bit from from these that you see um, on our website, but we wanted this almost like off-white for it to feel kind of like paper or to kind of add to that idea of it being um, short-term, like produced really quickly um, and have that handcrafted feel. And we've actually moved it a little bit. Yeah, like I really like to make a system and then break the system. (laughs) So um, we've now moved a little bit more towards the backing colors, having more um, of a color in that. So it'd be like a washed out, purple or washed out red um but still trying to make it feel like it's um almost like bled into the paper like the paper a little bit but it's just like Mm -hmm. a standard standard sticker that's awesome yeah make the system and break the system exactly yeah i know so talk, talk to me a little bit about sort of the, the ROI on this then, because this is what you created was a departure from what they were doing before. Mm-hmm. And so when this new brand gets presented and it's now in the stores and it's now, um, you know, available in their brewery, like mm-hmm. what, what's been the reaction? What's been the feedback from the customer and their customers? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I think mainly positive, like, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, as I was saying, like, I think, uh, I don't know, you, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of a brand and then they suddenly switch something up, you're going to have a kind of, like, reaction, like, you know, something's different and do I like it? Um, <laughs> yeah, different than like <laughs> exactly. Um, but I don't know, I, I, I think I think the feedback, the, the definitely we've kind of noticed has been um, positive, like, people are... It, you know, we get a lot of um, a lot of people really excited about what the next one is going to look like, and uh, and um, even like down to the copy on the side. You know, there's a lot yeah. of um, they have a huge like social media following, so there's a lot of like tagged photos of people like really enjoying that. Um, awesome. Yeah, and we actually work with um, with Annex uh, on like we did a little check in, you know, like how are, how are things going? Like how is the production side feeling about it? Um, and, and from that, as I was saying, like we have moved on a little bit to try and reflect and solve some of those um, just little details that we've only really discovered through it being out there. Like we now have, um, can't really see them. They're really tiny, like these little um kind of lines that drop down from the top. Um, they're barely like, they're like a few millimeters long, but okay. what they do is um, the the packers that like snap the cans into the four packs, it means that they can turn and align the cans in such a way that you see, oh, no matter yeah, how yeah. it's stacked in a liquor shop, you see the artwork mm-hmm. from every side. I mean, that, that's like tiny, tiny, and that's something that, you know, when we, when we designed these and put them out, we weren't, uh, you know, aware that that was even something to consider. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was something that we added in. And then the, the colored backgrounds, like I was speaking about um, was just dialed up a little bit to help differentiate the, the cans from one another. 
Mm. Um, you know, when you, when you see them here, they're all quite neutral backgrounds. And although most of the time, only one of these is out at a time, um, in some instances, you actually do get a couple side by side where a shop has, you know, um, some stock left to sell and then new mm. stock in. Um, so we just dialed up the colors just to add a little bit more of that differentiation between yeah. it. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I think it's it's been working really well. And we've just um, finished off like a limited kind of merch collection that has like, they've been, at, you know, they've been asked in the brewery if they're doing like prints of these or like t-shirts or whatever. So we've kind of, you know, extruded it out to, to all those different touch points as well, which is nice. So it feels like a system that can really expand um, as I was just going to well. say that, you know, when you're, yeah. it, it's the system that looks like it would work well for, for merch and for mm -hmm. next other packaging and different mm -hmm. elements. So you can really take that and run with it in a number of different formats, right? Yeah, definitely. So, and I think, yeah, for, you know, for, for brewery, like if they can get people on the ground with tote bags and t-shirts and hats, yeah, like, you know, absolutely. People, yeah, it's definitely That's out there. all good for sure. Definitely. And the other interesting point about that is in, you know, when you're designing things like this, it's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to consider like the packing and presentation and things like that to really think of the steps that they're doing. So mm -hmm. getting that feedback where you're sort of adding those lines to the top of the label where it doesn't impact the visual, the look of the label, mm -hmm. but on the packing side, it allows them to like quickly pack and quickly position mm -hmm. so that every four pack that goes out in retail it's just got artwork visible all the way around. Yeah. Like that's, that's just such a, a, a thing that you, you wouldn't, you, you don't really know upfront. Yeah. Then exactly. when you get that feedback from the customer, when you're working closely with that customer and they're able to give you that feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's nice. So we can also kind of add that in and, um, you know, just kind of keep, keep it moving on to allow for that as well. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not designed in such a way that there's only one way to do it and mm -hmm. you know too bad for them kind of thing like we want to kind of make <laughs> exactly. sure that yeah make sure that um we can make it as kind of easy as possible for like every single um you know stage along the way yeah for sure yeah so from from the first uh sort of idea or the first meeting with annex where they said hey we want to switch things up or we want a mm -hmm. new system to holding the first few labels in your hand. What is that timeline like? Um, oh, this is quite a while ago. Um, I don't know, we, we, we did, this was last year. So I think mm -hmm. last summer, um, we did spend quite a lot of time upfront um, with the client, just having conversation, like having conversation about um, their current cans and really trying to pin down like um you know why it wasn't working um as best as it could for them mm -hmm. and trying to i guess kind of work out with them what they wanted to keep what 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 could go away like you know is there anything that had to absolutely stay and and the the what we actually started with and um it's kind of like a an aside from these cans but they so they are, um, they're called Annex Ale Project. And um, we, when we release these cans, 
what they were struggling with was having their core beers, um, their long-term seasonals and these short-term beers all under this guise of Annex L project. They also yeah. do, um, they have a Annex sodas. So they make like root beer and um, they have like a Saskatoon berry um, soda. They have, uh, you know, this, this whole kind of a side, which is Annex sodas. So, um, so what we actually pitched to them and to begin with was, was almost just like compartmentalizing them. And this is, this is way more of a internal, um, solution for them rather than anything that's, that you're kind of seeing visually, but just to approach their beers in the sense that they have the, the sodas, which is, you know, different from the beer, then they have, um, Annex Ales, which is their core beers and their long-term seasonals, so things that stick around for longer. Um, and then Annex Ale Project is what is a name that we attach to these short terms. So mm. what we ended up doing was um, the the kind of handwritten Annex Ale Project that you see on the front of the cans. Um, that was taken from an earlier design, I think one of their earlier merch designs. Um, yeah, so we, so we use that for these short-term cans, then they have a different logo for Annex Ales and then they have a different logo for Annex Sodas. So, um, it's a really small thing that I think won't, you know, no one, (laughs) no one is really paying attention to that apart from them and us. Um, but that really helped them, I think, just like help them think about it in their head of, of how they're producing this. And when they use that language in the brewery, they know everyone's on the same page, what they're speaking about. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, so we worked really closely with them on like working out what they um, wanted from these, what would make everything, what would make the process easier and smoother and, and you know, what did they want to be able to communicate on these cans. Um, so there was a lot of like um, thinking work up front, like a lot <laughs> of just like, you know, um, just a lot of note taking and problems to solve. And I, I think that would probably be about like, I don't know, like a, a month maybe going on two months. Um, and then we landed on this pretty quickly. Um, you know, they, they were a big fan of the visuals and it maybe took a little bit more time to like get the polish right and where everything was sitting and um, ensure that, I mean, I feel like the the laws around what goes on a beer label are kind of changing all the time. Yes. Um, yeah, and like you know, they have ones that um, might contain like lactose or you know, like a I don't know, like an almond extract or something, and they mm-hmm. need to like account for space for that. Um, yeah. Ingredients, there's kind of whispers of having like nutritional information on there at some point, like kind of all these like obstacles that you're trying to ensure that you're kind of future proofing it a little bit for all those little, um, you know, differences to come around. But, um, so the, the kind of polish took a little bit of time and, and then we were kind of just like full steam ahead. So I, I, I think the transition was probably a few months in, in total. Um, hmm. yeah. And now these, we just produce like a new one every two weeks. We kind of, uh, join it up with a social media post of like a little um, animation of the artwork, um, just kind of like a little teaser of what's to come. Um, and then they have they have a great photographer on site that they use to 
um, you know, like have the beer poured out in some sort of some sort of props related to it around it. So they they kind of have this really easy system in place that they can now just like produce them and, and not have to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. So the last question I want to wrap this up here with mm. is we have a number of um, you know graphic designers who are listening to this show and who who mm-hmm. um, you know come across Print Design Academy and the podcast and they're interested in print. They like the idea of print. They want to produce some print, but they don't really mm-hmm. know where to start or how to start getting into that. What advice mm-hmm. would you give that designer who is new to print or wanting to get started with print design? Um, yeah, I mean, I think my advice would just be to just like do loads of it, (laughs) like just like (laughs) make stuff, like print stuff out, like kind of experiment with that. Um, I, I mean, I was kind of fortunate at, um, art school that, you know, we had like screen printing ability, like, um, you know, kind of resources and, um, yeah, even what's the one that you do with the stone? You like pull down a big press. I don't know. It felt like it was from like the Victorian era. Like we had all these kind of like printing resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got to play about with that. And I think, um, you know, that really helped. I, I think just being able to like learn about the print process a little bit and get to experiment a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I would also say like just start a collection of like printed stuff that you like like Mm -hmm. i'm constantly holding on to like i don't know just weird little business cards or like a salt sachet that i got in like russia or like you know i mean just like Mm -hmm. cool stuff because i feel like all that um i mean even if you if you don't want to kind of hoard it like i do you could um you know at least like document that stuff because i feel like with print it it's it can be really difficult to like articulate exactly what you're trying to produce mm-hmm. um and references are just like invaluable in that respect where you can like pin it to something yes. that you've seen um because yeah it's print is like it, until it's tangible and in your in your hands you're like trying you know to extract it from your brain and imagination into um you know this actual tactile thing so yeah and I think one of the best ways yeah. to sort of continue to to learn about mm-hmm. print and to can you continue to grow your knowledge of print is to take stuff like you said, packaging or you feel like a little mm-hmm. salt packet or whatever you find, and just sort of reverse engineer that. How was this created? Mm-hmm. So that once you understand the process, you understand how to take advantage of it and to really mm-hmm. create the things that you want to create in print. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think just through the act of like, I don't know, like if you're creating artwork or um, creating, you know, um, packaging for print, like I, I think actually seeing the process happening and, um, you know, and, and and kind of actually seeing it in action helps you see where the, the pitfalls are, you know, like it helps you see where mistakes happen. And um, I think just having like a really, good um like being able to communicate with a, a printer um you know is is something that is um definitely helpful in just just helping you learn how it happens and what what makes it easier for them um 
Yeah, and I don't know. I, I feel like the only way, the best way to learn about it is to have mistakes happen <laughs> and then um, and yes, then try and react true. from that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah totally true. Um, Holly, that's it. Thank you so much for being yeah, my guest on the Print Design Podcast. This has been great getting to know you and chatting about this Annex Ale project. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for um, listening to my waffle on about <laughs> all that beer. That beer talk conversation is what we're I here know, for. It's a bit early for that, but yeah. <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> all right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for checking it out. Again, if you do not want to miss the Print Ready Files Workshop, how to have print-ready files in six easy steps. Head over to printdesignacademy.com, sign up for our mailing list, which is going to first off get you the print, the, uh, that export, print file export checklist right away. You're going to get that in your inbox. And then uh, you'll be the first to know about the workshop when that comes up in the next couple of weeks. So head over to printdesignacademy.com and check that out. You can also go hit up our Instagram to check out photos of the project that we talked about today on the show to see what all that is about. And make sure you give Daughter Creative a, a little like, a little what's up, a little uh, follow on the old Instagrams. Thanks, guys. See you next week.